Welcome to episode 250 of Coffee Pods and Wads. As always, this is sponsored by Whoop, Rain, uh, Fitter, LSKD and Rad. And actually the UK launch of the Miami Trainers is today at 2 o'clock uh, GMT. Uh, so you can go to rad-global.com for info on that. Uh, this series is brought to you by GoWad Mobility First. You can download the GoWad app in the App Store or the Play Store or wherever you get your apps. Uh, start a free trial, test your mobility and then access their extensive library of protocols to improve your mobility. Uh, GoWad have over a million users worldwide and are used by a ton of games athletes for a good reason. So, um, so far in the series, we've had Jason Hopper, Emma McQuaid, and today we have Elliot Simmons. Uh, Elliot talks about measuring success, social media, sponsorship, and loyalty, as well as working with, living with, competing with, and being happy with his wife and parenting Fraser Knox. Enjoy, listen, share, and tag. So thanks, uh, thanks many for coming on. It's great uh, to get to talk to you. We like I actually think we talked about doing an episode like I'd say about like two and a bit years ago or two years ago. Um, so it's good, it's good to 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 get you on. I think so. Obviously, you're good at CrossFit, and that's like appealing to someone like me. But I think what drew me to you originally was you moved. I think I think you were maybe you just moved home. It was like during lockdown, I think, and maybe you just moved home, but you put up a story of like your coffee machine that you're moving it from one place to another place. And I was like, okay, so I need to have a conversation with this guy. Um, so you've, you've one of those rocket espressos, do you? Or La, uh, La, Lamazaka. Lamazaka. Where did you get that or when did you get that? Uh, I got it from Lamazaka direct and I ordered it before, <laughs> before we left Abu Dhabi to come back. So it was there waiting for us. Oh, wow. Okay yeah oh that's cool and how did you find because obviously like say i use a sage barista so it's basically it's essentially like push a button yeah there's a little bit more to it but you can only control so much so like were you did it piss you off for the first like two or three months or did you immediately just settle into it oh no i loved it i think the hard thing was just um i think i wound jamie up because the first day we got it i must have spent four hours trying to like get all the ratios right that i'd read about and you know, get it all. I had a little notebook where I'd write down, you know, the, the, the grind set into the bean and stuff like that. Just trying to learn as much as possible, as early as possible, so that it was, you know, easy, so I didn't mess anything up. And what's, what's your drink of choice from it then? Oh, it changes, but I like black coffee. I don't really do milky coffee unless I get like a, um, I like an, um, an iced almond flat white in the winter or whatever, but otherwise either a double espresso or a long black with an extra shot. Like and ice, iced almond flat white in the winter? No, in the summer. Sorry. Okay, in the summer. Okay, right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you're, yeah, okay. Maybe in our winter, Southern Hemisphere, summer. Yeah. Maybe that's, um, wow, okay, yeah. Because did you, so you lived in Abu Dhabi. How long did you live there for? Uh, seven and a half years. So 2014 until last February, so yeah, 2021. Wow, what age do you know? I'm 29 now. Okay, so you're quite young, like very young yeah. when you moved over. Really. I moved on my 21st birthday. Okay, and was that like a um, like why, why, why did you move? So I had competed in regionals in 2014, and I was obviously trying to decide how I was going to keep doing CrossFit, um, but also yeah fine work basically um and i remember before regionals on the crossfit uk facebook page some guy had had, had put a, a advert up about like a job in the middle east or whatever and thought nothing of it and then somebody actually came into the gym that i was at, at the time and was like oh you should apply for this job there you know you're looking for a job because you've just finished uni and stuff and uh yeah you should apply for this job so i messaged them and they were like oh the positions have been filled and then a week later, somebody who had filled the position said that they couldn't come out that year. They'd have to come out the year after. Um, and that was it. I mean, I'd, I'd studied sports coaching. I love coaching. My passion was coaching. I wanted to become a coach. But there weren't many opportunities in, in the UK at the time uh, to try and make a living from it. Um, yeah. So that was a, a great opportunity to go and, and, and be the first coach or one of the first coaches at this new box in the Middle East. So I actually went to Dubai on holiday. Uh, in 
July and met the owners of the gym, went to Abu Dhabi and then started in August. Um, where are you from originally? England? Worcester in England, yeah, but I went to uni in Cardiff. Worcester. Is that like the sauce? No, Worcestershire. Yeah, Worcestershire sauce, exactly. <laughs> okay, right, okay. Um, is the sauce from there? Yeah, Liam Perrins, yeah. Is it like a factory? There is. <laughs> okay. Can't say I've been, but I, I, and I, but I have seen it before. Yeah. Yeah, not sure how, I'm not sure how interesting that line of questioning was, to be honest. I'll just, I'll just breeze, breeze past that. Um, so you um, you studied coaching in college? Uh, at Cardiff Met University, yeah. Okay, how far is Worcester from Cardiff? Like two hours, 90 minutes, not too far. Okay, so Worcester is like East Mid West Midlands? West Midlands, yeah. yeah. Okay, right, okay. It's like close to Hereford, and then Hereford's on the border between Wales and England. I'll be honest, I'm fucking chuffed with that geography. Um, okay, and so you, what, what about growing up then? Were you sporty? Like, did you do other sports when you were younger? Yeah, so squash was my main sport. So I played oh, okay. squash from probably, oh, I don't know when I started, but um, until I was kind of 15, 16. And then just as I was getting into sixth form, I had to make the decision because uh, I used to be in the academy that was, an hour away, well, half an hour away from school, but then an hour away from home. So three nights a week, I'd go from school 30 minutes to this academy and then an hour back home. And basically the school got to the point where I think they spoke to my parents and like, well, he's not doing homework. He's tired in school or whatever it might be. And so I had to kind of make the decision. And my decision actually ended up being based on, we had applied to be in the, I can't remember if it was the Commonwealth or the Olympics that, that, that year. Um, and we lost the, the bid. So I was like, well, I'll, if I'm not going to compete at a high level, like I should probably focus on school more than squash. Where did squash come from? Is that like, did your dad play it or your mum play it or something? Yeah, my parents have always played racket sports. So they, I think they started with badminton when they were younger and then took up squash. Um, but the, my dad was on like the committee and helped build a squash and tennis club in, in Starport, close to where I live. Okay. So just growing up, we were just always playing racket sports and, yeah, so played squash and then dabbled in golf. And but when I quit squash, I started rugby. So I started rugby a little bit late, but then really got passionate for rugby after um, after quitting squash and kind of that filled my filled my time then. What you, what age are you in sixth form? What age is that? Sixth form was the last two years at school, so that would have been like 17. 16, 17, okay. Yeah, so I, I I quit squash when I was fourteen, and then started rugby. Um, and what what level rugby are like local club is that what we're talking or yeah yeah I, I got to like uh, West Midlands or whatever but I was never you know I, I always struggled with like I played I was quite short and fat at the time so I played hooker so all my skill sets were good but just the the skills that I missed out on like tackling practice and stuff like that when I was younger like my handling skills were good and all that but and my scrummaging skills were good but yeah I was never I was never like that good. Yeah, I played rugby for a while. Um, I just found it so confusing. Like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not very sporty. But I remember, well, I remember the moment where I was like, "Fuck this!" Was I was, I was playing? We were at a training session, and I clashed shins with someone. And like, honestly, <laughs> thought I, I thought I broke my leg. I was like, "This is the worst pain I've ever felt." And yeah. they were just like, "Oh, it's fine. You're just buying shins." And I was like, "This is fine." I was like fuck this i'm out like you know i was like if this happens in training what is the point yeah. um but I, I'll, I'll never forget the feeling i had while playing matches just being like i have literally no idea what i'm supposed to be doing. like who am i supposed to be looking at here and then i just be like you know being like ushered into a position to stand in and be like i assume it's this guy right in front of me then that's my <laughs> problem like yeah no i i think i'm any, any kind of it's the same in workouts if there's a workout that requires thought it's like uh oh this is yeah. this isn't gonna go well, yeah. um, and then so you played rugby, and then so was it like your parents must have been quite um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like more so, more, yeah, like more so than just getting you to play sport. They because oh, like right. I I want to encourage my kids to play to play sport, but they obviously encouraged you to, I guess like played in a considered way or whatever like if you were thinking if you were already at 14 15 thinking like well if i'm not going to be at that level what's the point like you obviously recognize your ability in it and the potential that you had for doing something in it but you, you don't lick that off the ground like you know like you have to be kind of is that coach is at the academy and stuff or your parents or both 
Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of everything. I think um, I've always been extremely passionate about sport and it's it's always been the one thing that has kind of been my um, like my leveler as such, like where, where I go to just like I really just love it. Um, but I also love competing and because I felt that I was like good at these things as well. I think, yeah, it's just a combination of everything. And my, my old man is just an absolute workhorse. Um, and he instilled that, and, and so is my mum, but they instilled that kind of mentality that if you're going to do something, you, you're going to do it properly kind of thing. And I think I've always got to the point in some sports where I've like, well, I could do this to my best of my ability, but is there something that I could be better at? Um, and that's kind of the same with rugby. Because even when I went to uni, I mean, the coaches obviously saw something in me because I was captain of the freshers team um but i quit rugby because i fell out of love with it with the drinking culture and stuff at uni um and then just bodybuilding just wasn't fulfilling me and that's actually why i went to crossfit because i loved the team sport dynamic i loved the working hard for others i love putting the effort in um and then that when i went to crossfit that's what filled that gap for me really is just that you're competitive but there's also that camaraderie um there's something different all the time, something to be better at. You can see if you're improving straight away. You don't need to wait until your next competition when you play the same player that you lost to last time or whatever it may be, you know. You know if you can get one more strict pull-up or one more muscle-up or whatever it may be. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So what year then? Is that like 2012? Cross 2012. Thirteen. So I went to uni in 2011. So I want to say I started. I started in October or September of 2012. But I, I actually, and I think this set me up for success in coaching. Is one of the very first things I did in CrossFit when I wanted to start getting better was break my wrist. So um, from not listening to the coach. So I basically started, stopped, and then started again in 2013 or yeah, late 2013. I was basically doing a clean. And the coach was like, oh, yeah, you're strong, well done. But, you know, your technique's a little bit off. Don't go any heavier. And I was like, oh, I've got one more. And I just landed with it, my elbow on my knee and just snapped. I did that. Yeah, and snapped my wrist and broke my scaphoid and spent three months in a cast and then another three months rehabbing. Yeah, God. I didn't break it now, but I probably wasn't going heavy enough. But I did yeah. the exact same thing. And to this day, the physics of it don't make sense. Like, how did I land with my elbow on my knee? And, like, it just doesn't add up in my head but yeah that was off it was that we we had like Sika strength were here and they were doing like a workshop and they're like oh we're gonna do cleans and we've done oh we've done so many lifts like i was just exhausted from it's more than i'd ever done not even heavy just like repetition 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 and my body obviously just went like sorry brain i don't understand what you're asking me to do and then it all just fell apart um wow okay so you so you got injured you started 2000 and 13 ish late 2013 i made regions in 2014 yeah yeah so that was my second competition like my, my individual competition and where was was that in copenhagen. Spain? no oh, copenhagen okay yeah, back in the old school europe and are you like when you qualify like do you because like back then obviously crossfit was a bit of a different beast than it is now um like it was a lot more I don't know, like kind of rough and ready, I suppose. And it was kind of still in its, like its competitive infancy, I suppose, relative to now anyway, um, like less polished, I guess. And like when you start doing that and you have that experience of like being coached and, you know, like kind of rebelling against a little bit, getting smacked in the face because of it and then having to come back. Are you like, when you qualify for that, are you like, oh, brilliant, this makes total sense. Or are you like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't be here. Like I'm not ready kind of thing. Or how, how do you react to it? Yeah, it's funny. So that year, I was totally driven just by making it to regionals because I didn't really consider myself as an athlete as such. I still had aspirations. My actual aspirations were to be um, a red shirt, a level one SEM staff at the time because it tied in with with coaching. Yeah. But I was thinking that I could, you know, be like the old school James Hobart where he was a coach for got train and stuff as well, you know. Um, but yeah, I just remember just being so dead set on making regionals, maybe having a couple of tantrums during the open workouts and everyone's thinking, fucking hell, who's this guy? I think he's like mint or whatever. And then, yeah, I made it. And it just it just became apparent then where my weaknesses and stuff lay as such in terms of just my skill set. Like I was clearly fit enough 
at the simple kind of grindy workouts I did really well like I actually came I think third in the chipper workout which made me show that I had the capacity but just none of my skill sets were there in terms of lifting and gymnastics so um then it was like right how am I now going to get to the games basically so it was just was- awesome experience I I um, it meant a lot to me. I've always been passionate and wore my heart on my sleeve. Funny story, actually, um, Anthony, who's my best mate, co-coach at, at Yas for seven years. The first time I met him was actually me crying after the last event of 2014 regionals because I couldn't finish the workout. <laughs> and and he didn't know me and fair play to him. He just came up to me. He was like, mate, what's the matter? And I was like, I fucking embarrassed myself. I'm just sat out there and like everyone's cheering me on. I hate it. And he was just like, oh, mate, don't be daft, like, doing well, all this. And, yeah, so that was my, my first regionals experience. Yeah, I God, I can't I, – there has to be an awful lot of people that have had a similar end to just a competition, I think, of, like yeah. – like, I think of – and I know she handled it pretty well, but, like, say Lucy Campbell at the games when she couldn't – you know, like, when there was just a breakdown with the cleans or all the people yeah. that couldn't do single unders or, like, it's, it's an awful thing to think of. Like, when you – were was that appearance at regionals was that the kind of thing that solidified in your head of like okay well we'll 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 tackle that last workout in a minute but like in general the experience of getting there and like holding your own in certain workouts was that the thing that solidified in your head of like oh i could be really good at this or do you think you already had that before you went there no i think i think my dreams have ne- have always been bigger than what necessarily i but like like I've always aspired to do more than what necessarily I, I think that I can, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I've always said, you know, like, this is my dream. This is what I want to do. And I'll, I'll try and do everything that I can. But then there's always been a lack of belief as well. Um, so even though I qualified and it was like, okay, well, I could be good at this. It didn't necessarily go like, oh, well, I am good at this. You know, it, it was more of a just, uh, we'll keep on working towards what your dream is and, yeah, it's it's a fun it's a funny one. Just kind of like I guess put it out there and hope that if you put the work in, it's going to be enough. And like, d- does the the third place in the chipper does that do enough to counteract the feeling? I like no, to kind of feel like if the, if I always, I always focus more on my I'm always renowned for it. Even now, is I always focus on the things that didn't go well as opposed to the things that did, which is something that I'm working on. So straight away, it was like okay, well where were the weaknesses in this weekend and what do I need to improve? And I was more highlighting those things than focusing on my strengths. But even like if that workout had been first over the weekend, you at least would have had a chance to like, you know, gain confidence. But like when that's the thing you're walking away from, it's going to wash everything else anyway. Yeah. Yeah. True. Um, so when you go back then, to training are you like fired up are you disheartened like what what way are you feeling afterwards well the funny thing was actually after um after regionals that year um was obviously the year that i moved to abu dhabi so everything moved pretty quickly after that because Mm. um yeah i remember going on holiday with my girlfriend at the time coming back trying to figure out what i was going to do then getting this this job offer so going to Dubai on holiday to go meet them and then moving so really I didn't even think about competing or training or anything like it was more about what I'm going to do to you know earn some money um, and start living as opposed to being an athlete and even then in the first year at Yas um, we did competitions and there was a great environment but there was never this like are we all we're all doing this to go to the games it was more yeah, it was, it, that was never really, that didn't become the focus for me really until team 2016 and then individual post 2017 then. Um, and did you meet Jamie in Yaz? Yeah, so uh, Anthony and myself were the first two coaches and Jamie actually was a PT for a home personal training company and she just joined the gym to come and do open gym. And I just remember, and Fraggle actually worked at front reception. <laughs> And I just remember we were all just like, like, no, that girl looks good. So then the next day someone was like, yeah, she's been to regionals. So then we went on online and see that she had been to the Australia regionals in, in 2014. And then she started training with us and then we needed a female coach. So the boys uh, employed her and then the rest is history. 
a home PT company in Abu Dhabi. That must have been fucking lucrative. Oh, <laughs> when I say there was serious money in that. It's a bit, yeah, it's a big business because everyone's yeah. got some form of equipment or home gyms in their house. So uh, home personal training is a, a big thing in the Middle East. Yeah. Even just, I'd say the amount of like, what would you call it? Discretionary funds that they have to, to pay for something like, I just say it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay. And then uh, how, so were you in, when did you become a couple then? When did you get into a relationship? Um, so October, 2014, I remember, um, yeah, started seeing Jay and then was just like, that Christmas, I was actually going home because it was my first year there. Um, and Jay was going to stay in Abu Dhabi. So I was just like, oh, do you want to come to the UK for the first time? And that was when really we were like proper dating. Hmm. Oh, so like eight years then? Yeah, yeah. We've been together a long time. Yeah. It's a really long time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like, because I'm just kind of, I'm trying to, uh one of the things i was thinking about before, like when i knew you were coming on was the dynamic of two people competing with similar aspirations to each other competing in the same sport but like it because it's unusual i guess like in the off season you can probably support each other a lot and you can you can probably like decide what you're going like what competitions you're going to do and stuff and kind of work around each other a bit but then when it comes to like say february april may slash june and then like august the you know, the, it's kind of out of your control who does what, where, to a large extent, especially with her having to go back to Oceania and stuff. But like, is it like is it difficult both of ye competing in the same sport, or is it like kind of second nature because it's been your whole relationship has had it? Yeah, it's it's interesting. People always ask this, and, and it's funny as well because we obviously from that twenty fourteen year we've worked together, lived together competed together like we spend every pretty much waking moment together um but it just works um mm. and i can say for <laughs> i mean obviously i was a lot younger but if you tried to tell me to do that with any ex-girlfriend it, it's just not, not possible uh, but, for, <laughs> but for us it yeah it works and in terms of competing last year was actually the first year where it was more challenging because i couldn't go to oceana with jay or she couldn't um yeah and, and we weren't together during that time but in terms of how it worked in 2017 and 18 for example we were both in the europe region or the meridian region or whatever it was called um and us competing at the same time is actually quite good because it means that we know we physically can't watch each other but in between events we are together so mm. we're focused on ourselves um and it's only those those times the the worst possible time for me is watching jay compete and I'm not competing because if I'm competing, I'm, I'm focused on myself and I'm looking forward to seeing her after. Uh, but if I'm not competing, obviously it's like watching your favorite sports team, like the emotions you get, the roller coaster. So managing it is actually a lot easier when we're competing at the same time. Is it easier then as well when she has to go to Australia to compete and you have to stay at home and compete and you're not able to be like physically present? Is that easier, do you think? No, I think, um, I mean, I can't speak for Jamie, but I think that she likes to have me there when she's competing. So I think from that perspective, it was a lot harder for her. Um, I also like to be there for her. Um, and yeah, it was, it was different this year, especially in my back, because I was, Jamie went to an rehabbing. So I was in trying to stay out of total misery of uh, rehabbing and being away from Jay for that long and stressing about her and stressing about me trying to compete. So this year was really, really challenging. But um, she, when she went in 2019 to Australia to compete, there was less on the line because she'd already already qualified. But I was, you know, in a good place in, in London. Um, I knew Jay was fine and enjoying herself as well. So um, I could see it being less of an issue. It's just... It's just the extent of what's on the line, I suppose, being separate at the biggest point of your season mm. when uh, every day in training we're there for one another and, and for competitions we're used to being there for one another as well. Um, so she had she got injured after 2019? So, no, she, yeah, so she got injured literally 
within a month of us moving to the UK to be <laughs> to be professional athletes last year. So we landed in February, and I think the start of March, like the week before the Open, she did a shoulder or the second. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so when you when you move, you moved home from Abu Dhabi to Wales. We have moved to Wales. Yeah. And why Wales? So Andy was uh, has been James, Andy Edwards, who owns Dragon Athletic. Uh, that's who I trained with when I was at university. Uh, that was who Jamie's been with since 2015, coaching. Um, and in terms of like the athlete life and what and the resources that are available to us, it's um, a great city for for us as as athletes what's like what's the because obviously i assume a move my a move like that is filled with um like hope and you know like positivity and like this is it now like you know this is all our ducks are in a row and it's all going to line up perfectly and then within a couple of weeks there's like a catastrophe like what like how do you kind of like it's quite a large speed bump to overcome (laughs) like how do you how do you get past it yeah i mean firstly in hindsight january february was not the time to move (laughs) Um, in terms of the timing of the season, I don't think uh, I hadn't anticipated how challenging I would find the transition from moving from the Middle East to the UK. Um, even just in like logistics, with you know like bills and uh, like adult stuff that I've not had yeah. to do in so long, and all that. Um, and then obviously Jay doing her shoulder, but it's life. You know, it's one of those things where it could have happened when we were in Abu Dhabi um, all the same and it still would have been challenging, but obviously we would have been in a familiar location and we'd have been in a place that we called home, not in this new place where you move to be an athlete and then you can't, can't do so. It was challenging and it was actually probably more challenging for me than it was for Jamie, because obviously once you've got an injury, you've got to accept your season's over. But for me, it was like trying to manage myself to go to the, you know, to, 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 to be the best athlete I can be whilst caring about Jamie. Um, so I probably struggled more last year with that. Um, but yeah, it's just life, isn't it? I mean, we, we've said the last two years, we've not qualified for the games and everyone could say, well, you, it's since you've moved to Cardiff, but then, you know, if one of us would have qualified the last two years, Cardiff could be the, the best place in the world. You know, it's, it's just one of those things you, you got to take it for what it is and learn the lessons from from what you're doing well and, and what you're not doing so well. And if it was the place, I think we would know that. But it's it's just one of those things. Yeah, I mean, like people always look for a narrative, I suppose, don't they? They always look for like a, you know. There's a lot, like, of, I think... a lot of people messaging me saying, come back to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> it's clearly not working. I'd say, yeah. Um and then, because you you were at strength and depth this year, I was, and that was your unfortunately. <laughs> that was, but that's like a home crowd. That's like a that's the first time. Honestly, and I, and like sorry to cut in, like for me, DFC is a home crowd. Okay. And this is a funny thing: is like I still see the Middle East as my home. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's what's happened as a result of my growth in CrossFit coming when I lived in the Middle East, like... Yeah, your uh, formative years were there. Really. Yeah, and also, like, just just little things as well, where it's like, you know, when you get the the title of fitness in the UK, for example, from living in... Up until this year, just from living in the Middle East, I haven't got that title because I've not lived in the Middle East because I've been yeah. seen not as a British athlete, for example. Um and it's just little things like that. Like, I think there was a slight disconnect between me and the, the UK community as such. Um, and obviously there are some people, rightly so, that have been here the whole time and that have, you know, helped to build the UK up, whereas I was probably helping to build the UAE up more than the UK. Um, so I hope, you know, there's one of the things that was kind of on, on my mind and always has been on my mind is what where I fit into the UK community. And, and one of the things that I was interested to see at Strength and Depth to see if that support for me was there, if that makes sense. And what did you think? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it's just me building stupid things up in my head. <laughs> yeah, because I was actually like, it is interesting that you say that because I was impressed with um, 
the difference between the European regionals and what I had seen of the, say the North American ones, um, where like you could have, say like you're from the West Midlands, you've got Reggie from the North or whatever coming and competing in London, which on paper should have an element of disconnect, like between the North, the West, and then the South or whatever. And if you compare that to like, I don't know, Mac, and you have someone coming from Boston, like there is no ownership there of like the Mac crowd aren't going to give a fuck about someone from Boston, unless it's someone who's already famous or whatever. Whereas like once the UK crowd hear a UK name, they don't care if it's someone they know, don't know, it's famous, not famous. They don't care. Like they just want, like yeah. it is remarkable. And you see the same, I saw the same at Lowlands where there'd be like a Dutch athlete would do well and the crowd would go crazy. Then like a Swede, like they don't care once it's mm. from their country or whatever. Whereas I think because we talked, like we talked before we started recording about the gap in America and stuff, just geographically, like the vastness of it, it really lends itself to that kind of like divide i suppose or that kind of like there's a there, i think there's a lack of ownership or there's less ownership of athletes there um just because they're from the country whereas in the uk it's like if you're from the uk you're one of them do you know what i mean or yeah. the same in ireland if you're irish it doesn't matter what part of the island you're on once you're on the island you're irish and you know it's it's interesting um because it was something that you know I was kind of curious, like, how is this going to play out? Like, how is a London crowd going to react to, like, people and from yeah, know, different parts? Because I think there, there are obviously people that would still have their their favourites within the UK, but then it, they'd still favour the UK yeah. athletes above everyone else. And, and, you know, that's always how it's going to be. You're going to have, you're going to like Liverpool or Man United, but then when they're all playing for England, you're going to support England. Do you know what I mean? It's... Is that is that yeah? Is that, you're gonna you're gonna like Liverpool or Man United, but when they're playing for England, you're just gonna complain about it anyway. So yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's like um, you know, like you could be a, a massive Zach fan. So when Zach and Reggie had that really close finish, I think in the snatch workout or whatever, hmm. you know, like if Zach wins, they might be happy that Zach won, but then they then want Reggie to come second. Yeah, then yeah. Has, there's still a support for both athletes. Yeah. Um, when I said you're at strength and depth, you said unfortunately. Why did you say that? Uh, yeah, just, I, I say, unfortunately, I mean, I competed at strength and depth purely for mental resilience because I knew that physically the outcome was very unlikely. So like this I, is, I, you, you had a back injury, wasn't it? Yeah. So six weeks prior to strength and depth, I tore a ligament in my back. Um, and the only reason I competed is because the physios told me that my body technically will have healed, but I obviously wouldn't be prepared optimally. And then just from a mindset perspective, I, you know, I wanted to quit because it was the easy way out. And because I was, you know, it was, it was looking like the result would be um, not the result I was hoping for, but then I've done this sport for 10 years and, who knows if I turn up and give it my best effort, what could happen, you know? So mm. I, gave, I, I, I competed with the glimmer of, of possibility that I, I could make it work and that I could, that I could uh, qualify. And those glimmers were there, but unfortunately the depth's too good now. And if you're, if you're underprepared and you've not done enough conditioning or you're not, you know, in the shape that you should be in, you, you're going to, you're going to pay for it. But I mean, I'm, you know, not not to take away from any other lads, but I'm pretty proud of myself for nearly coming top ten with six weeks of no training. Yeah, like I'm just like, and I'm, there, there's no, I'm not. Uh, I never judge anyone for what they say or how they say it or anything. But I'm curious, like, is there a reason that you didn't say you were injured before the competition, say publicly? And is there a reason that you felt you had to say you were injured after the competition? Um, yeah, so yeah, and no, I, it's a good question. Because I think for me, um, that's the whole thing with media and social media in general, right, is what you what you want to put out to the public versus 
what you feel you should put out to the public versus, you know, all these things. And it was one of those things where I don't believe in, in excuses. So I would never use it as an excuse for not qualifying, which is why I didn't say going in. And also because from a mindset perspective, you almost want to trick yourself into believing that there's nothing wrong. Hmm. And then on top of that, you also don't want to give another competitor the opportunity, not that they would in CrossFit, but the opportunity to, you know, have a little dig or, or whatever it may be, or, you know, try and get in your head. Um, and then in terms of the, the post competition, the reason I felt that I should post in the end was actually to try and help others to understand what you can get through as opposed to making as an excuse because, mm. you know, it, it wasn't an excuse. It was a fact as such as I'm not saying I didn't qualify because of my back because, you know, who knows if I'd have qualified or not. But the, 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 the point was, was that you can feel every day like you want to quit something uh, and that everything's against you. But just the, like the power of will and the power of surrounding yourself with a good team, you, you can you can still, you know, go and give it your best efforts. And for me, I learned more from doing that than I would have from quitting, which is why I wanted to share it. Because quitting would have been the easy way. And yeah, I could be sat here going like, look, guys, I pulled out because I got a back injury. Everyone's like, yeah, great. No worries. You have the season out. But then for me personally, going into next year, um, you know, there's always that what if, what if I, what if I could have qualified through adversity? You know, what if I um, get injured this year? How am I going to approach, like, it's, it's a new thing now. Like, do I just rest for six weeks and then carry on? Or do I push through? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's weighing up all those options. But in terms of like publicly putting out there, I, I totally understand because that's the, that's the game with social media as well, isn't it, right? Like, what do you want to tell people versus what do you think you should tell people? And it is, it's something that I struggle with all the time, which is why I go in peaks and troughs with, with social yeah but it is it is interesting and again like i like i i don't mean it to sound like i'm judging you for putting it out like i think it's i think it's remarkable that you that you carried on and competed and i think the the sensible way or the you know you're kind of blinkering yourself by not saying it public because then it's all you're going to be fucking asked about on the lead up to it is how's the back you know like and that's not going to help but i think it is important to say afterwards Oh, like I was actually injured, <laughs> you know, like not even for, not even for ego purposes, but like, I suppose like internally for ego to be like, you know, now everyone knows that I was injured and look how well I still did despite the fact that I was injured. So what can but I do that, next season? Like, but then that's almost like the worst thing as well. Cause like from my personal perspective as well is like, I hate to make excuses and I hate yeah. to see somebody who who look like makes it out to be an excuse. Um, but I think there's a big difference between an excuse and excuse is to me, an excuse is a black and white picture. And like, you know, um, I, uh, you know, I didn't qualify because like, that's an excuse, like, you yeah. know, but like there was no element of that to your, yeah. to your, I don't want to call it an announcement. Glad, it makes it right. Cause I have many sleepless nights about what I thought <laughs> into and how people, and how yeah. people even. once you, once you avoid black and white pictures, yeah, <laughs> black yeah. and white pictures are like sad, yeah. like looking down at the ground or that kind of exactly. thing. Once you avoid that. And it's one of those things as well, right? Isn't it? Whereas it's like, if you didn't qualify because you, you know, you didn't put the effort in and you, uh, you know, then, then that's, that's your problem. But if you put, if you didn't qualify because you weren't good enough at the time, then, yeah. you know. But I think, it. you know, when it comes to excuses, everybody could have an excuse, but your excuse could vary on a scale from, I didn't try hard enough and work at number two to, I, you know, underestimated that person and work at number four to I'm, you know, miscalculated or whatever, you know, I think as, ex as like excuses, um, not that it's what you're looking for, but I think an injury is like ranks pretty highly on the scale. Um, like sticking with social media, then, like, I have a thing with European athletes and you know, not getting the spotlight that I think they deserve because of the the audience size, I guess, and the just the the focus that's on certain parts of the world compared to other parts of the world. Like, you look at um 
you know, you look at, say, Carrie Pierce, close to half a million followers. Um, and then you look at, you know, you. And you've got like about one tenth, I'd say, of what she has in a following. But you've been around as long, if like debatably longer, like as long anyway. I wouldn't like to be compared to Carrie though, because she's very, very, very successful. I think. No, but do you know what I mean? It's like it. There's this like there's a there's a uh, a discrepancy between focus. Yeah, like I think a good comparison maybe like someone like Yone, for example, who's got. I don't know, somewhere like probably around 70, 80. Yeah. And then maybe someone like Khan, who's probably got a quarter of a million, maybe. Yeah. Um, Yone has been to the games similar, maybe more times, finished high, higher placing. But I think it just comes down to what you want to do with social media, right? Like mm-hmm. if you compare me and Zach, for example, like Zach and I are very different people on social media. Um, and you're going to get a different following base and based on what you put out as well. I mean, I don't, I try not to look too much into following. Um, but like there's, but there's there, like, I know that it's not, it's not the be all and end all and it's not the aim of what you're doing. And it's not the aim of what, you know, a lot of athletes are doing, but like it pays the bills as in like, it's, you can see, um, you know, you can see the benefits of having a large following because you you can then turn around or, you know, your your agent or manager or whoever can turn around and say like, oh, you want to work with X. Well, he or she has X amount of followers or X amount of engagement or whatever, which like, like it or not is something that's important to these companies and to these businesses and stuff. So then as a, you know, a direct result of that, it then sort of has to be important to the athlete as well. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, it's like that you're saying about what do you, what do you want to say? What do they want to hear? What do you want to tell them? What do you not want to tell them? There is an element of game playing where like you, you, like it's, you have to wrestle the beast. Like you can't just ignore it and like not care about it because it does put a roof over your head in, in parts. Like, you know? Yeah. But then it also deter, it also depends on what your measurement or metric of success is and what your values are as well in terms of like, cause I know without sounding big headed, like I know I could market myself a lot more than I do. I know that I could do more to gain a following. I know I could work with more brands, but that's also not what I'm about. Like I don't care for having more money than what keeps me comfortable. I actually value, um, trying to stay grateful in times of hardships and happiness over, um, you know, success and monetary gain. So over the years, I've turned down quite a few opportunities, which could have been lucrative and and, and to get more, more following based on the fact that I don't think it fits with who I am. Um, And I think it just depends on if you want to play the game or not, because for me personally now, especially in this social media where, um, it's favoring certain types of accounts. Like I'm actually looking at it from a perspective of, do I want to be an athlete on social media? Do I want to be a coach on social media? Or do I just want to be myself? But if I'm going to do that from a, from a trying to put myself out there, I need to make sure that to get to, to, to get engagement that I'm providing value to my, my follower right like how am i how am i going to get my values my beliefs across to a follower but give them something that is making their life better you know and and but also do i want to do that do i want to put content out there do, to to really help you in your day but is that taken away from me in my day do you know what i mean it is yeah. it, and that's the constant the constant balance because i will never sell my soul for a product i don't believe in i'll never post about something I don't believe in and whether I get engagement or not because of it is I've got to live with it. <laughs> yeah. I like you, Ali. You're a good guy. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of there that. Mate, you could, I... have, you could have a two hour, we could have a, a full day's conversation just on social media. Yeah. It's... But like, but it is remarkable, especially in CrossFit. Like you see, like, you know, I've heard it's the only sport, right? Sorry to interrupt you, but it's the only sport where you can have more following, be more successful on social media than you can be at being good at the sport. It's crazy. But I've heard, I've heard, like, I've heard some amounts bandied about for people 
um like money that people got for you know from different brands and stuff and it's like they haven't done any like they haven't like i've never seen them standing on top of a podium or anything well i mean there's only been like fucking three people in the last whatever 50 years that was on top of the podium but you know what i mean it's like they haven't but and it's just mad like it's mad like insane amounts of money yeah. um and then you hear people talking about like oh, they need to increase the prizes for competing. And it's like, do they? Like, you know, I think there's a pretty good market there. If you, you know, like it, it depends, like you say, it's what type of person do you want to be? Do you want to be, you know, successful and have a lucrative career? Or do you want to be competitive and like successful in the, in the arena rather than, you know, like outside of it or whatever, I guess. And, or can you balance both? Like there's a few people that have managed to balance both, but you know, it's not easy. Um, But then say the, say the brands, like, you know you, you you can downplay it a bit if you want but i think it speaks volumes how picky you are and how reluctant you are to engage with brands the brands that you do pick to work with then and then the i guess the reciprocation of that faith like you look at say like you've been a goat athlete for a long time yeah and the easy thing for them to do when we'll say for the last you're at the games in 2019, 2020, well, 2020 was kind of just fucked up anyway, but like say 2021 wouldn't have been seen, um, depending on your metrics as a successful year for you. And then 2022, the same, like, again, not a successful year, like depending on your metrics. So the easy thing for them, for Thibaut or whoever to say is like, I just, you know, there's, there's more successful people out there, but it, it shows the value in what you're saying, the fact that you are picky about what you do and who you do it with, that, that that loyalty is then repaid. Yeah, so the thing for me is building relationships with people and sharing the same values as them um, because then I think they'll reciprocate those, those things for you. Like I've been very fortunate with the, the sponsors that I've got, but I also think that is a result of yeah who, who I am as a person and the relationships that I've built built with people. Um, and I'm very fortunate that they keep supporting me because uh, like you said, the last two years based on my metrics have, haven't been successful in terms of the outcome, the results. But then I know that if I continue to do the what I'm doing in the path that I'm on, that I will, you know, continue my trajectory that I was on from 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, 20. So, um, and, and and that's the thing. I think if, if you're authentically you and you are the same with all of, uh, you know, in, in every aspect of your life, then you are going to attract the same type of brands and people to work with you. And I think that's why I've been really, really fortunate with the sponsors that I've got because, um, yeah, I mean, you know, like if, if, if you're picking on it from, from somebody who's interested in, in, in looking, then it obviously shows that there's some consistency there, you know? Well, it's just, it adds gravitas to it. Like it adds gravitas when someone says. I also still can't believe that I'm kind of sponsored by some of the people that I'm sponsored. Maybe that helps. It probably says a lot um, about the type of person you are and the impact that you've had on people that you sign a contract with Noble in probably like one of, I guess like a, a trough in your career, like competitively, like, you know, that speaks volumes. Um it was good for my confidence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, say with Gowad, when I see you talking about Gowad, I kind of think like, oh, he actually uses it every day and it, he sees the benefit from it. Whereas there are other people who talk about other products. And again, it's playing the game and I don't judge anyone for it. But it just washes over me because I'm like, that's literally meaningless because last week they were talking about something else or like last week, that clothing range was the best thing they've ever touched in their life. And now it's a piece of dog shit and doesn't matter. And this other thing's the best thing, you know, like it's, it, it it's the, the fickleness of it or whatever yeah. really highlights people like you then who only ever talk about like one or two things and that's it. And it's like, it doesn't go away. It doesn't like, there's a thing I get, I get really annoyed if someone's like, if someone's being coached by someone 
are using a product and they they won't shut up about it and then all of a sudden stop talking about it i'm like hang on i've been invested in this like relationship i have put in time and effort listening to you talk about this thing or this person you can't just like not talk about them anymore like, you have to say oh i've actually left like or my contract ran up or you know you have to give some kind of closure to it like yeah. um that's like that's a bugbear with me on social media but yeah and um, that's, that's the same for me which is why again like i would even if it would benefit me in some other way, I I would not want to project something that I don't personally use or believe out out there. And I think that might be the coach in me, and that might be the the the, the person in me that wants the best for the people that I'm I'm coaching and that I'm trying to um, not influence. But you know, what I mean, like mm. help out is that you know this is what I use, this is what I believe in, and 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 this is why I'm I'm promoting it um, because then um, it talks experience like they might not be the best thing for you but this is what i've done yeah you were at madrid um speaking of goad essentially a goad team <laughs> they were all so christoph is goad mia you jamie no i don't think he is, is he oh is he wadproof maybe uh wadproof yeah 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 then what we we're trying to think of it so obviously we were krypton because it was meant to be me jay danny and alec danny and alec pulled out but we couldn't change our team name so I was trying to call it no hustle about like no ball and hustle made. Oh, but, yeah. then, but then I hoped that it wasn't perceived that we meant no hustle at all. <laughs> it was half no ball. Yeah, half okay, yeah. And then we um, were, uh, go wad proof because of uh, go wad and, you know, wad proof. Yeah. No, I think, uh, yeah. That, I'm glad you explained that actually because I was with the Krypton thing. I was like, is that, is Dragon Athletics, like is Krypton the name? I was like, is there two cross with Krypton? No, yeah. So basically literally, uh, uh, I think 10 days before Danny and Alex said they couldn't do it. So we okay. just had to like move really quickly and um, the organizer had already printed all the boards and done all that stuff. So I was like, look, don't worry about the team name. Like it is what it is. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. European exposure because of us. I'll remember to uh, build them. <laughs> I think I actually think that's the, that's that's one of the first times I've ever gotten an athlete's deal wrong with Christoph. I think the when he was with the program, they're with Gowad, and that was my the program just started with Gowad, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll use that as my excuse anyway. Not that I'm making excuses, I don't make excuses either. Um, the name's got Wad in it. We'll let you off. The gate, the name's got Wad in it. Wad proof. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Gowad's obviously better. So yeah. when uh, when you joined up. Because uh, obviously Mia has got extensive team um, mm-hmm. experience, you have extensive uh, team experience. Like, it, was it was it seamless? Was there like a? Because obviously it was like you mentioned there, quite quickly cobbled together. So was there like a? Oh wait, we just have to get on with it, or was there time to be like, no, this is what we need to do and how we do it? Mate, honestly, it was probably one of the best weekends that I've ever had competing. Um, like, it was just four really good people who actually have never proper like we know Mia well we know of Christoph I've competed with Christoph but we've never spent extensive time together but it was just four really good people coming together and just having fun um and the Thursday the day before the comp we got to the arena we got some practicing with the worm and like each day as the events went on we just got better and better and better we just gelled really well there wasn't a overpowering voice. We all took bits on from from each people. Like Mia, obviously contributed a lot from her experience in in team as a four person. Kristoff mm. um, came in with, with what he thought. We played on each other's strengths and weaknesses. We had a little mascot in Fraser Knox, which brought us all together. Yeah, it's always nice to bring your kid to work. Mate, it, uh, it is. It is. And you know, and take them round and get them to meet everyone and shake um, hands and smile. Yeah. And, yeah. Get get pictures, get pictures of people. Hold your bags. And... Yeah, a little school bag. <laughs> exactly. Um, and like, is there? So you were like all very complimentary of the experience. Like anything I saw, I saw Mia saying like, "Oh, does anyone want to move? <laughs> anyone want to move to here for the year?" Um, is there is there a part of you that's like, you know, would you consider going team, or are you solely focused on yourself? I will go team again but not not this year or next year in my is opinion. that because of uh is that because of like an an unfinished business thing have you things that you want to do before you go team or is it just you have it set out that time anyway 
Yeah, I've got personal goals that I set way back in 2017 when I first missed out on the games because that was the first year that I really truly started to believe in myself and, and what I could do and I know what I'm capable of um, and I still think that I can achieve those things. So um, even even with the last two years being as disappointing as they have, I still feel like I've improved. Um, so yeah, we'll put them put them down as, uh, as, as character building years. But yeah, there's... There's definitely some unfinished business of what I think I can achieve before I want to finish my CrossFit career, having a bit of fun doing team because I just love team sports, man. And and every time I compete as a team in CrossFit, it brings the best out of me in terms of effort, um, doing things with other people. And you could argue, well, why don't you just do that anyway? But I, I want to, uh, yeah, I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> um. So what what are the plans then for the next little while? What what have you got coming up between say now and the Open? So, uh, go Wad team for Wadapalooza, myself, Willie George and Jeff Adler. Oh, wow. Um, How, how's your French? Well, so I actually said to Willie, should I be learning French? And he said that there's a bit of a disconnect between his and Jeffrey's French. So we're all good. Or so, we're all good doesn't is not the correct finish to that. So you're all bad. You're fucked. That's what that sounds like. They don't speak the same French and you don't speak any French. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump on a few calls with Willie before and get some lessons of the of the of the vitals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that'd, be, that'd be a hell of a team. I'm really looking forward to that. Has that been announced? Uh, it's not been announced as such because we've got to do the qualifiers next uh, month uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, you probably um, won't actually qualifiers, will you? Yeah, I think so. Because GoWod's not a sponsor of Waza. Well, where did Willie finish last year? I don't think they won it. I think they're only inviting because Jamie's got an invite as an individual or um, team, and she's planning on going team as well. Okay, because I think I was talking to Dylan yesterday because I was curious because they put out the twenty the twenty line or whatever. So I asked like how many what's you know how many people get invited versus like will that number go up to fifty or what? And he was like, oh yeah, forty or fifty depending on who accepts. But he said that if someone podiumed in the last five years at Granite Games, Waterpalooza are the games. Hmm. They're getting an invite. Because did, did go on their podium, did they not? Last year, the team, but his they team. It was it, yeah, so maybe they will get an Maybe invite. they might get an invite then, yeah. Although it might have to be the same three or something. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, are you going to wear, like, the berries and everything? <laughs> Mate, I'll wear, I'll wear anything. I don't mind. That's good. I'll wear um, tops that Nick Matthews wear if, if they tell me to. <laughs> And so then focus on Miami and then focus on open and so on after that. The focus will still be predominantly on individual for next season. Um, but obviously with an eye of just making sure that I'm strong enough to rock it with the big boys because they're two big, strong boys. Yeah. Well, yeah. You should probably just leave any barbells to Jeffrey. You can just watch. Yeah, exactly. like you and Willie can just stand back and then, yeah, nah, join in nice on the other ones. To, um, it would be nice to be able to... Um, they're very different athletes to me. So it'd be nice yeah. to have the same team as them, but also like see, because even though we'll be a team working together, it'll still be good to try and throw down with them in the lifts and stuff. Cause then that bodes well for the rest of the season, you know? Yeah. Do you know, um, Jeffrey? Uh, from DFC. Yeah. And okay, yeah. briefly from, from our time at Wick crossed over slightly. Do you like, do you chat much to athletes like as in because say you've mentioned they're like oh i knew christoph from competing against him and then you've like jeffrey there as well and like willie like is obviously he's a go what athlete as well but mainly from competition i suppose you know him like are you personable when you're at competitions and stuff like do you make time to talk to people or do you just yeah. kind of hang with the same people so i love i love kind of just having a laugh with people in general um and trying to talk to people obviously in a lot of individual comps um there's not, you know, there's not that much people that, especially when it gets to semifinals, you're competing against each other for a spot of the game. So some people don't like to be as personal as they would at different times, you know, mm. like uh, Christoph competing at semis is very different to like me and Christoph competing at, at, at Madrid together, you know. Um, you know, like Briggsy was always the best at it, you know, she was always an absolute legend behind the comp floor, like chatting to everyone, having a laugh. But when it was time to like warm up and go and start competing, like she's in the zone, you know, and that's what I try and pride myself to be as well is like be myself, 
right up until it's time to do the job. And then as soon as you've done the job, go back to being yourself again. It's almost like compartmentalizing yourself and uh, as a person and as an athlete, be yourself right up until you need the athlete to come out. And then when the athlete comes out, that's it then. Hmm. Yeah. I remember I interviewed Christoph before strength and depth and I was like messaging him a bit and he was like, Oh, make sure I'll come up and say hello. And I was like, no, like, I was like, <laughs> you seem oh. quite intense around competition. I do not want to approach you when something's okay. happening. Like, such a legend he's so nice and actually, yeah I, I like i've chat, i've chatted to him a good bit but i was like that is not where i am introducing myself to someone mid-competition yeah. like, i couldn't believe even at madrid like he's off everywhere speaking to everyone kissing babies all this stuff and i'm like i don't know anyone yeah yeah but that's why Fraggle's really good for me as well because fraggle obviously knows absolutely everybody so fraggle being fraser just in case is he he's like your you know when you see the president shaking hands, like whispering the names, be like, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. "This, this is Tia Toomey." You know, Entourage. Yeah, yeah. He's Turtle. Oh yeah! Wow, that's a very good comparison. Fragged his Turtle from Entourage, that's and he's the one good. that ends up more successful than everyone, right? So there we go. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, how did, is it be? So he, you said he was front of house at uh, Yaz, and then he obviously worked with Wit, and then you were with Wit. Yeah, so our stories, our stories are awesome, to be fair. So, like, um, I arrived at Yas, and Fraser was taking a gap year before going to university. So his oh, gap year was working, because he, he grew up in Abu Dhabi from the age of eight or something like that. Okay. Went to school there. Um, and he was the reception staff, the, the, the desk staff um, for, for Yas, yeah. And then, so he then went to Cardiff, met university where I'd gone, but kept on coming back to Abu Dhabi and all of his school holidays, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we, when he finished uni, we were doing a three month sabbatical in London for, um, from, from Yas just to prepare for the 2019 season. And we were obviously living in London and going to Wit every day. And Wit were about to start hiring marketing, um, someone for marketing so we that's what fraser's degree was in so we just introduced fraser to everyone from from where and then the rest he did himself got himself the job and yeah yeah he's done okay and he's doing very well for himself because that's the type of person he is yeah um that's cool um yeah that's cool um after uh semi-finals then so when you looking ahead say to next season um taking into consideration i suppose the strength um oh i don't want to say that the strength and depth <laughs> the strength of the field at strength and depth um and then the fact that you know you had a niggle you you couldn't train properly coming into it um and your finish despite the fact that you were injured going into it when you take all of those things into account are you like chomping at the bit for next season? Are you wary of next season? Like, did the did the did the strength of the field like scare you a little bit, or was it what you thought it was going to be? Was your space in it where you thought you'd be despite everything going on? No, I think um, I had no idea how I was going to do. I actually also didn't even know if I was going to be able to finish the weekend because the first time I lifted um, was actually in the warm up area. So the first time I'd, I'd done a clean and jerk for six weeks or front squat for six weeks was in the warm-up area. Um, so I didn't even know if I was going to be able to go out after that or if my back was going to go again or, or anything like that. So um, my only concern going into semis was just do the best you can do in every workout. And there was only, to be honest, one workout where I felt like I got distracted and that was in the chipper. But I think that was just because I was absolutely... <laughs> just smashed and i just was like oh my god like i can't focus on anything other than my body's just saying like what are you doing to me right now um but no mate i mean fields that the the best lesson i ever learned and and this is why fields will never scare me is 2016 uh games we turned up obviously as, as the team as crossfit yas and i just remembered to walking into the first team briefing and looking around and just being like holy shit we are tiny little children in a, like an adult sport or something like we are going to get murdered and then obviously we we podium we came we came third um and i was a little bit like oh, okay you know like doesn't matter what you look like you know you can just you know it doesn't matter what what the field is like you just do you you play to your strengths and 
you know um the rest will look after itself mm. um is fraser using one of those tennis racket fly swatter things why can you see it behind me yeah. i oh. saw him picking something up and i was like is that one of those like electric jamie has a hatred for flies an absolute like they're her arch enemies yeah there she is in the background waving around my wife my whole wife's family are weird about them like i always thought it was just my wife where if there's yeah. a fly she'll be she'll go into like a murderous rage like running after it and it's like just fucking leave it like it's, it's not it's scary. literally insignificant it's not the size of your fingernail just let it it's off yeah she changes it she changes into some person that i've never seen before I remember I was at my I was at my in-laws house over the summer and we were eating outside and they were all like you know like clapping I was like see like how is this any worse that like this is so much worse than just letting the fly fly around everyone trying to kill it for 20 minutes knocking over glasses like you know it's like flip the table just to get the fly it's like just fucking leave it alone yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um well, listen, thank you uh, for coming on. It's been great to get to chat to you. I've, um, no worries. I feel like I've, I've, oh, yeah. I feel like I've learned a lot about you. And I've, you know, it's confirmed things that I thought um, about you. And I'm, I'm glad it did. Um, best of luck with Wadapalooza. I'll see you there. I'm actually going to that as well. So that'll be fun. Um, and best of luck with next season and everything else. And yeah, thanks very much. And enjoy your, your physio session. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it.